James, you can't get the staff these days, really. You're interested in getting the staff these days. Tell me about it. <laughs> well, that's a better introduction. So, hello and welcome to We Go Again podcast episode 52. It's Kristen Smith sitting here in Germany looking forward to being able to go to a restaurant this weekend. And here in West London, it's me, Rob Overfield, and I too could go to a restaurant this weekend, but I fear, I fear employment beckons. And here in Berkshire, it's me, James Bartleby, and uh, yeah, things are starting to lift in some parts of the world. Well, it depends on lift, everybody's down in the dumps because they've realised there's nowhere to go on holiday. Um, yeah. It's the thing, so you can fly everywhere, but nobody will let you in. But where now? Let's talk about South America. Always. Well, it's not too bad because there's a couple of deliberadores. I'm trying to work out which one of you two is giving me feedback. Well, I don't think it's me. I could be wrong. It could be me. It's probably me on this new headset. Well, (laughs) Well, I've just, I've just, I've just, I've just. Hello, hello. Hello. I think it's you, James. Well, I don't think it's me. Well, we'll, we'll work it out. Uh, if I keep talking, then I shut up for a bit. Then we'll be able to just carry on with the uh, the process. Um, but so I've just worked out it is James because I've muted him. Um, sorry, James. I'll unmute you in a second. Um, but as I was saying, we're, we're going to talk about South America. We're going to go down there first of all, where Boca and River Plate were playing a game, and remarkably enough. I may have a slightly different opinion because that's not unusual. Um, but James, it really went a bit strange with the coronavirus situation. Yeah, that's right. So um, they were playing. Um, was it two nights ago? I think playing uh, Independiente Santa Fe from Colombia in the group stage of the of the Libertadores, and I've it, I've known for a while that it's it's getting a little. Well, it's it's out of hand in South uh, South America. Is is the whole COVID situation um, not being particularly well handled? Uh, it's they're not getting the vaccines that they need. Um, and yeah, so they ahead of this game. Um, I mean, I first messaged our WhatsApp group saying they had fifteen positive cases, and they were they were struggling for a team for um, for this match. And it turns out by the time the match kicked off, they actually had twenty five cases. Um, not all players, I think there's players and staff, but the key point is there were f- uh, all four of their registered goalkeepers were positive. So none of those were able to play the game. Um, they went to Comibol and asked if they could you know, sort out an emergency replacement because that seems quite... Um, uh, quite reasonable. I couldn't think of the word then. Uh, it seems quite a reasonable thing to do, doesn't it? To be able to get a goalkeeper because they haven't got one. Um, and Comibol said no. Um, you have to play the, the, the match with the with the squad that you've got registered. Um, which meant that they went into the game. Now, from the lineup I've seen, they didn't have any substitutes. Uh, they just played with the 11 players. And in goal was central midfielder, 5 foot 10 inch central midfielder, Enzo Perez, uh, 35 years of age. He used to play in Europe um, for Benfica and Valencia. Um, I remember him at Valencia. He was he's quite a tidy little player. Um, and he's been back at River for a few years now. Um, and unbelievably, they won 2-1. Um, they, I mean, I don't think Independiente mm. Santa Fe are all that. Uh, 
So, I mean, it's probably not a shock that they won the game. But, yeah, I think they scored twice in the first seven or eight minutes um, and ended up winning 2-1. But it, it's it's just mad. I mean, how the hell did this game... I mean, forget registering an emergency goalkeeper. How the hell did this game not get postponed? I mean, I, I get it. Tight schedule, group stage match, where you're going to play it. But, come on, give them a break. What if that was the final? What if that was, you know... It's just mad. I mean, you'd never get that in Europe, would you? Well, no. Um, good story, though. And I reckon, I reckon Independiente Santa Fe are a bit cheesed off about the fact that they were playing against 11 people. Um, team that had pretty much been dismantled and a non-specialist player between the stakes. And they couldn't beat them. They're going to be really annoyed about that. And, and I... I but then again, perhaps you know, perhaps there is a case for the competition that shouldn't have even started. You know, we've seen it all over the world. Sporting competitions have been postponed, cancelled, rescheduled. You know, for the last year or so, and for Commonwealth to not even consider the possibility of doing that, then mm, rather begs the question of. You know, what is really their management style, to be honest? Is it a case of, you know, as a, a phrase James and I would know, be right, <laughs> you know, everything, every, everything will turn out for the best? Or is it just a case of we're scared, we're scared of the fans, we don't want the fans to revolt against us, we don't want a great big riot, we're going to have to play it? Who knows what it is? Well, I mean, to be fair, me, the fans are never... revolting. <laughs> well, I've not experienced any of them, so I don't know. But when you've got 25 cases, as you put it, James, in the squad, I'm thinking, hold on, you know, it's going to be a case of every other player in the squad's going to be looking over their shoulder thinking, am I going to be the next one to be testing positive? And is that a, is that a way for a squad to, you know, to have to be? A case of, you know, no matter what you do, because you can't train, you can't congregate except for when you're playing, why are you even playing? I think the authorities have got this wrong. I really do. But that's just my opinion. It's not worth a lot, but there you go. There were some injuries as well. It wasn't just um, it wasn't just down to the uh, the COVID situation there. The I can see where Comibol are coming from um, with wanting it to be played because it's always a tricky one because it's not an injury it's an illness and it's an illness that can be avoided if they'd followed the normal quarantine and the normal bubble procedures that they should have been doing because we saw this with a few clubs in Europe where um, if you think in Scotland it ended up fining some clubs um, because mm, mm. they'd broken the COVID regulations and they then had outbreaks and had to postpone matches. And I, I don't know, it's, it's really strange not allowing them to register a keeper as an emergency, um, because normally mm. that's classed as a specialist position. But th the way the match yep. actually unfolded is that within six minutes, River were 2-0 up and it was only in the 73rd minute when Independiani got one back. Um, so, uh, which I think was a 15-year-old squad as well. Looking at this report, which is even more crazy. Mm. Oh, wow. so. I mean, I mean, the I mean, the crazy thing is, is that 
nearly every competition in the world in this kind of situation would allow one emergency registering of a keeper. Nearly every competition that I'm aware of has that allowance you know, within the rules of whichever competition it is. And for them to say, no, you can't, I'm thinking, hold on. Well, you know, what's the issue? What's the thing that's stopping that? Has anybody tried to explain why Commonwealth over overruled it and said, no, you can't? Does anybody know the reasoning to it? Have you heard anything, James? Seen anything? It's probably a bit in Spanish too much for me. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. I mean, I'm just looking on on the old footmob app here, um, and I mean to be fair, uh, Santa Fe did have 22 shots on goal, um, but they only managed to put five on target. But that's still four saves. It sounds like Liverpool. From a, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just looking through. I've, I mean, they, you know, Santa Fe were rubbing it in a little bit. I mean, there, there are no substitutes listed for River and twelve <laughs> listed for, for Santa Fe. I mean, they could have led yeah. the team. Um, just going, no, Asorio who scored the goal, I believe, is actually twenty-seven. So I don't know where you're getting fifteen. Uh, so there was a, there was a fifteen-year-old made his debut for uh, Independiente. Okay. Hol- uh, Holman, be f- I've come off the story. To, to be um, fair, there, there could well have been a few teenagers making debuts for River. Um, according to their injured list on this on FOTMOB, they had 19 players out with COVID. And, but that's I don't think that's the full list because they were missing 25 players. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I get, I get it. You, you register a squad and you know you get an injury crisis and you still have to play, don't you? But if you lose every, I don't know whether it's the same in the Argent, in you know in the domestic leagues in South America. I mean, over here if. If if you had your even outside the transfer window, if if you lose all your senior goalkeepers, you can you can bring one in on emergency loan. So mm-hmm. I, I I assumed that was a, a FIFA thing. Um, so you know p- apparently not. <laughs> um, but I mean her- heroic effort from from a thirty five year old centre mid. I don't know if he's ever played in goal before or not. Um, but yeah, it's, qu- it's quite an effort, isn't it, to to play ninety minutes yeah. in goal? I mean, can you imagine if he'd have if they were losing and he'd have come up for a corner and scored, then he's an outfield player playing in goal, but he's a goalkeeper scoring. So <laughs> that would have been that would be quite a quite a turn up, wouldn't it? Um, but James, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Christian's not the other one. Two segues, you know. <laughs> um, it's it, it's Hol- um, Holman McCormick. Just to uh, give the lad his ah, okay. juice. he was fi- he's fifteen. Um, so with a good Scottish name, obviously he must have some heritage in those uh, Colombian um, from there. So, yeah, it, it does slide in. So we've had a goalkeeper, or sorry, midfielder playing a goalkeeper. And in the Liverpool match last week against West Brom, we had a goalkeeper playing centre forward and scoring the winning goal. And while we love a goalie goal, normally it's a uh, hoof up the field or it's a uh, thing, but to have in such a high flight game uh, a goalkeeper going up the other end and with a beautiful clean header, it wasn't mm. even just a little toe poke or anything like that, it was a proper leap and into the back of the net, into the far corner, um, that Alison Becker actually did it. And I, I think it's one of those things where beating Manchester United, having the, the look at, at uh, West Brom and it means that Liverpool, despite having supposedly the worst ever title defence, um, look like they're possibly going to make the Champions League. 
Yeah, as you say, what a goal. I mean, it's goal of the season, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it is goal of the season. It was a you know, Alan Shearer, you know, Les Ferdinand. Yeah. Any of these legendary strikers, you know, that were famed for their aerial ability, they they would have stood up and applauded that. What a header! Absolutely insane. I think, Shearer, I think Shearer actually did in a roundabout way. I yeah. think he was he was you know seriously impressed. Mind you, he never scored in many with headers anyway, so. <laughs> no, I suppose, I suppose not. But he was, it, it was, it was an unbelievable header. It really was, um, and it's um, as you say, it's it, it does kind of make you think that the the, the gods are smiling, doesn't it? Because when when that happens, and and as you say, you go and smash United at Old Trafford, and then you go and go to a supposedly difficult place like Turf Moor and and wipe the floor with Burnley. It's it it you know that goal mm. has effectively qualified qualified Liverpool for the Champions League because they'd be two points behind without that without that goal um, probably wouldn't be able mm. to make it so not only was it a, a unbelievable goal it it's so so crucial it was ridiculous um, and so nice as well well you know for, for him after losing his father back in February um, he gave the emotional interview afterwards um, you know the, his teammates obviously delighted because it was a last minute winner but I think they were even more delighted because it was him that scored the goal and the circumstances around it and what it can mean and and just you know just that release of emotion because you know it's been a tough year for everybody and you know yeah it was just that outpouring of emotion as well and yeah it's everything about it was just makes it goal of the season for me it was wonderful a wonderful wonderful moment I mean, when you look at it, when you look at the difference, you quite rightly said, James, they'd be, you know, they'd be the other two points behind Leicester, and you wouldn't have expected them to try and catch Chelsea, you know, given the fixtures this weekend on Sunday. But you know, Becker's goal gave them the three points, and now it's pretty much, you know, well, you've got three, you've got three teams trying to get into two Champions League play, you know, two automatic Champions League places. So you know that's going to be a real, you know, a real battle on Sunday afternoon. After me, when you look at the fixtures, you know, it's just, you know, you, you just don't know which way this quite is going to go. I mean, Chelsea have to travel to Villa. Um, Liverpool, we know, are at home to Palace, and then Leicester, who are currently in fifth in the, in, you know, in, in the Champions League qualification place, they're home to Spurs. <laughs> So on those kind of fixtures, you think that you know Chelsea at Villa, that could go either way because Villa can be bloody unpredictable. Um, Tottenham again, well they've got you know they're so far up and down it's unbelievable. And Palace, well you have to make what have Palace got left? You know they're not going to go down. They're not you know nowhere near Champions League. So you would expect Liverpool to come out. Um, come out well of that but yeah we all know what final days are like and uh, yeah who knows what will happen on Sunday it will be very interesting to see and after watching the Liverpool performances against United against um, West Brom and obviously the one last night against Burnley as we record this on, on Thursday I'm wondering it seems it could just be coincidental and clutching at straws, but the form seems to have improved 
after being told the European Super League ain't going to happen, you've got to get off your ass and play some games. And all of a sudden, they seem to be playing a lot better and a bit more determined to make Europe now that they know they've got no alternative other than to win every game. Well, well, I w- actually, Chris, and I would, I would dispute that, you know, actually looking at it. I mean, the last Premier League game that Liverpool lost was to a team that's already been team that's been relegated. We're talking Fulham on the 7th of March. And then after that, they beat Wolves, they beat Arsenal, they beat Villa, drew with Leeds, drew with Newcastle and won four on the bounce. You know, the form's been form's improved basically since the early March, which was before all the going on about Super League when, you know, you know, broke and stuff like that. So, I reckon it's just, you know, yeah, I mean, before that, they were just so bloody unpredictable. You just didn't know which team was going to turn up. But when, yeah. as soon as they've been seeing the end of the season and they've realised that, as you said, if they don't pull their finger out, they're not going to get anything. I think they got threatened with the, comp- the uh, Europa Conference League and they were like, ah, yeah, let's not bother with that. Let's uh, let's stop missing about that. <laughs> yeah, <so>. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... It I wonder if Klopp cl- yeah, cl- said to them, if you don't get your pull your finger out, you're going to be playing the Europa League. And, yeah, you know. Be. That's him. You know, is your better players than that? Is that where you want to play next season? Is that what competition you want to be in? That, and I reckon players have decided. Quite, um, that's quite a run of players form. Players have decided otherwise. It's quite a run of form you've highlighted there, Rob. I mean, I've got the yeah, um, yeah. the league table up for, on on Sky Sports at the minute, and it's got the last six uh, just to the right. And I've, yeah. I've seen they'd won four and drawn the two before that. And what was it, yeah, three or four yeah. before that as well? So they're, they're, they're what ten unbeaten now yeah, with, yeah. with about eight eight or nine wins in there. Um, well, it's, yeah, I mean, in, I mean, in the last, like I said, in, you know, in in the, in the last nine games, which is the games they've had since they lost to Fulham, you know, they've had um, what's that, six wins and three draws, yeah, two draws, bad, six wins and two draws, and the, the, you know, that the, ain't bad form. No, and the um, the the end result of that is unfortunately it looks as though again, Leicester City are gonna, well, seemingly bottle it and and mm. and miss out on the on the Champions League. I mean, to be fair. You know that superb victory in the FA Cup final will more than make up for that. I don't think any Leicester fan would would swap, especially the ones that were at Wembley last weekend. I don't think any mm. of them would swap mm. last Saturday for finishing in the top four. Absolutely not, um, because they, they you know they laid ghost to rest. I think that was their fifth final, was it? And they um, they'd lost the previous four, so you know mm. they they really exercised a demon there, and it was a it was a superb. It wasn't a superb game. It was a superb occasion and a and a superb final, uh, because of just the moments that were there. I mean, you had the, the winning goal, which was an absolute stunner. Uh, P, uh, Peter Brilliant. Schmeichel, Casper Schmeichel, making some one or two mm-hmm. unbelievable saves. The one from Mason Mount, especially, was just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Um, and yeah, and I think if they finish fifth and take the Europa League, they'll be quite happy with that because. At the end of the day, if they got in the Champions League, yes, they'd get more money, but realistically, they'd be looking to finish third and go into the Europa League anyway, wouldn't they? So they can attack the Europa League knowing that's the competition they're going for if they do finish fifth. Um, and they'd, they'd have a they'd have a decent chance of, of going far if they take it seriously from the start. That's, that's a tournament they should target winning, I would have said. Um, but 
yeah, um, what a run of form though for the, for Liverpool. It's a shame, shame they couldn't have done that a bit more during the season because. Um, Do you know the something? Was there, I've wasn't just going yeah, I've just gone and checked something up using a little known facility on another football stats site, football web pages, where you can be you can select a specific date to see the league table for. Ah, okay. And yep. after they lost, yeah, after they lost to Fulham, Liverpool, they were eighth. They've basically picked themselves up one, two, three, four places in two months. You know, and they've overtaken, you know, West Ham, Spurs, Everton, Leicester City have, you know, have dropped back. So Liverpool have taken advantage and, you know, Leicester have, you know, they were third then and they were, what was you know, seventh. So sixth or something like that, sixth thing it is. You know, that is, you know, they've basically dragged themselves from sort of like 10 points behind Leicester to be, to be on level and points with them in the same amount of time. Uh, yeah, I think Liverpool have decided that, you know, at that point we ain't doing this. And they've decided to play. And, you know, when you get in a form like that where you haven't lost in, what is it, 9, 10? Yeah, that's, you know, that's form that uh, deserves, a, deserves some re reward at the end of it. And, you know, if they get the Champions League place, then, you know, it won't be totally wasted. Can, can I just say something? My, my, my work here is done. You've just, I, I was saying a bit cynical and you two have just defended Liverpool, um, <laughs> which I find very amusing. But let's actually work on this scenario. Liverpool win, Leicester win, Chelsea lose. Mm. That'd be tasty. Then Chelsea mm. have to win the Champions League final to get back in. Which that would not... be the yeah. best, best scenario, in my opinion, to make it but, a really interesting Champions League final. But wouldn't mm. would would that not knock one of the whoever finishes fourth out? No, because we would get an extra place. Yeah, I think from what I read, we get an extra place if your team win, if your country wins, and they finish outside. It's thank you once again, thank you to Liverpool who did this in 2005 when they won, and then 2006 didn't qualify, didn't qualify in the same year that they won it, so they got put back in, but in the qualifying stages. But was that what? Yeah, because that's when they played TNS, wasn't it? Yeah. Because Everton finished, Everton mm. finished fourth, didn't they? And it was going to be a case of Liverpool would replace them, and then TNS said, "Well, we don't mind playing them because obviously they're going to make a shitload of money from two legs against Liverpool, aren't they?" So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I remember but, that. I remember mm. that. To try and ensure Liverpool's qualification, I have removed Son from my team, from my fantasy <laughs> league team. But more importantly, I have removed pretty much like he wants to be anyway. Um, Harry Kane from my fantasy league team, Ooh. and yeah. it's possible that he's no longer going to be a Spurs player, well, which is bad news for whichever club he goes to because they're never going to win anything ever again. Well, it, 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 <laughs> so, I mean, I, I saw the footage after their last home game when they lost to Villa um, a couple of days ago, and yeah. he, um, he certainly he was taking in his surroundings. He was, you know, he. He looked quite—I um, wouldn't say teary-eyed, but quite—you know—his eyes were sort of watering a little bit. I would say that you know they had. It looked as if he was surveying his surroundings and, in his own mind, was saying goodbye as he was walking around, clapping, 
clapping the fans and you can't you can't blame the guys 28 next month uh well july i think you know it's it's now or never for him isn't it he either he either mm. goes to mm. try and win trophies or he stays and becomes spurs all-time leading scorer you know it's that's that's the crossroads he's at at the minute um he's not he going to do that this year because most salaries getting that golden boot <laughs> yeah but I, mm. you won't find a spurs fan around that that will think any less of him even if he ends unless he goes to chelsea um but you know if, mm. if he ends up at man city which, or arsenal yeah <laughs> that's not gonna happen um but if he you know if he ends up at man city you're not going to find a, a spurs fan that's going to begrudge him that move it, you know i mean he's he's going to triple his wages because he's air quotes only on around about 150 a week i think because of spurs's salary structure 150 quid wow yeah isn't it? um cheap you know, so he's gonna you know he's gonna he's gonna get onto you've what 300 350 up at, up at city um you would imagine especially now they've got and only have to play half the number of games as well yeah well that'll be the maybe thing maybe we'll have to roll I mean, around on the floor so much he's gonna you know he's gonna have to he's gonna have to get assurances that he's gonna be the main man it, it the, the problem is isn't it it's the it's the it's the fee it's the money um even man city are going to struggle to to justify 150 million quid for straight up cash for a 28 year old player who let's face it they, they're not going to be able to sell i know it's not really their main concern if he, if he comes in and wins some two champions leagues in five years then he's, he's more than paid his fee hasn't he but you know if they offered a couple of their squad players and 70 80 million then that could be uh, appealing maybe if you know especially if i don't know someone like gabby jesus you know so spurs would get a replacement built into the deal and i don't know they it, it's doable and i'd be I wouldn't say I'd be amazed if he was at Spurs. Um, I think I'd be surprised either way because he is Spurs, isn't he? So I'd, I'd be surprised if he is there on the day, on uh, the day after the transfer window. But I'd kind of be surprised if he wasn't as well because it wouldn't. It'd be weird seeing him in a United shirt or a City shirt or a God God willing a Barcelona shirt. Um, it's yeah. I just at the moment I'm leaning more to the fact that he won't be there um, because. Just he, he's told him he wants to go, and I just even Daniel Levy's going to have to buckle on this one, I think. Hmm. Hmm. I wouldn't. I say I wouldn't be surprised if it did happen. But as you said, who's going to have the money to do it? You know, the only way you could make it work is probably cash and a player. And I'm sure Man City have got one or two players that you know they could put in put in cash deal that even Tottenham would take. <laughs> Well, yeah, the, only, the only one they'd do straight play. cash would be PSG, wouldn't it? And, you know, I mean, yeah. how desperate is he to he win to trophies that he's going to go to France? <laughs> he, he does exactly. like Poch. So, he does like Poch, mm. but Poch won't be there in a year. This is years, true. Will he? They'll sack him. So, mm. so yeah. But, so, I, th- I think it'll definitely be a cash plus player, you know, because, I mean, it says something. You I mean, you could be a player worth 30, 40 million. And you're going to be part of you're going to be part of an exchange deal to go to, you know, to go to Tottenham. <laughs> it's a case of you case of hey, come on. Um, yeah, I can't see many players wanting to do that. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a strange situation. He finds himself in, in the fact that you know there isn't a club that would really be able to buy him outright. But if he doesn't want to stay at Tottenham and you know end up being one of those players that never won anything, he's got to think about it. 
So, just just because I obviously had a go at Liverpool early on, maybe and now I'm going to maybe defend Kane a little bit. And is it possible that he's such a Spurs man through and through that he is taking on for the team and leaving, not so much to further his own career, but so that Spurs can cash in on him because they are millions in debt with no way out. And selling him even for 80 or 90 million is going to go some way to plugging their 200 million that they owe on all the debts that they have from building a stadium that was then not used for a year. It's not been not been it's been done before because that's what James that's why James Milder left Leeds to go to Newcastle to help them out um, as much as he didn't want to. And is is am I just seeing that Kane's too much of a nice guy? Uh, is he doing that, or is it really just about him trying to win a trophy and not be a Steven Gerrard, who's a great player but never actually won the big thing? Mm. Mm, it's okay. a difficult well, one that. So let's let's talk about something that's not difficult. Um, <clears throat> Premier League TV rights is not really that difficult. Um, they've rolled over. They're carrying on. They've been sanctioned by the government. They can carry on. I'm pretty much certain is that if it had gone to a, um, we we have two sides. We have the clubs who realise if it goes to an auction, they're probably not going to make as much money. And then we have people like Sky and BT who realise if it goes to auction, Amazon do quite well out of it and they will just blow them off the blow them out of the water. And so it's rolled over for another three years at the vastly reduced, uh, sorry, the vastly ridiculous prices that is already there. But uh, I know that you two thought it was a bit strange, um, but I, I think um, I think it's because it's protection for Sky and BT, so they don't have to fight Amazon, and it's protection for the clubs because that way they can guarantee the the same money coming in, even though it's going to go back when we go when everything goes back. I'm presuming it's going to go back next season to you're lucky if you can watch a game more than or more than one game or two games a week if you're in the UK. Yeah, um, as you say, I think it's. I think yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty safe because it also allows clubs to, to budget, doesn't it? They know now exactly how much they're going to be getting, assuming that, as you say, everything goes back to normal and, and they don't have to give up rebates or anything. Um, so they they can they can get on with, repairing whatever damage COVID has done, done to them and, and and move forward as best they can. Um, but yes, it is. I am coming down on the, on the cynical side of it. God. You know, shocker, uh, and that they they knew that it was either going to go for far less than it than it is at the minute, or it was, as you say, Sky and BT knowing that that Amazon were just going to wipe the floor with them, and they, that was it. You mm. know, because let's face it, we've said it before: if Sky lose lose the Premier League, they're pretty much done because that floats the whole company. Um, BT, I think we've touched on a few weeks ago that they're trying to sell the sport arm of it, but if you ain't got the Premier League, you ain't gonna sell BT Sport, are you? You've got no chance. So mm. yeah, I think it. I think it just kind of it, it suited all parties, didn't it? It suits it suits the Premier League because it's you know it's, it's all right. It hasn't gone up, but it hasn't gone down. It suits the clubs because they can 
they know exactly how much money they get in they can budget and yeah mm. it suits the broadcasters because they know the um the uh, the online upstarts aren't going to aren't going to come in and steal their their golden egg so it'll be interesting at least not though, at the moment James years. anyway yeah be interesting yeah. what happens at in 3 years time Personally, I think it's just a case of postponing the inevitable. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, because because as time goes on, all the online streaming broadcasters and so on will get even stronger, even more powerful, with even more subscribers. And so they'll know that the market's there, and they'll be able to pitch whatever offer they like to the you know to the Premier League and so on, knowing the fact that you know they they can sell it and they're going to be able to. You know, make a profit on it and it's going to basically knock every other broadcaster out of the water and so to be honest in the short term it's a good move in the long term it's just postponing everything that's going to come down you know in the future and that's unfortunately i think they've seen that i think they know that you know next time we get to the situation where the deal's up for up for renewal they've just they're not going to have the money to be able to keep up with the likes with the likes of Amazon and so on. They're just not going to be able to do it. And let's face it, you know, I'm sure Amazon have got more than enough money to be able to pay for TV rights for football in this country, inflated though it is. So any bit any bid that likes of Sky or you know, or a conglomeration of Sky, BT, and every broadcaster in this country can raise, it's going to be more money than what that kind of you know, those kind of bodies can pull together so you know in, in 2024 when we get to this situation I've got a feeling we'll be all saying that you know every match on Amazon or possibly another online broadcaster we'll have to see but you know I think the day of you know ordinary television companies broadcasting football have gone the only games you'll get now are those special matches you know World Cups and so on because everything else will all be online, and that's just the way the world's going to be. It's, in some respects, it's a logical you know, progression from the from the early nineties when you know when it went away from the terrestrial broadcasters. So, yeah, personally, I think it's just postponing the inevitable. They they definitely are because um, Liverpool have, have come on. They've got a sorry not Liverpool FSG have an investor who are in um, <clears throat> and what they basically mm. um, are is they specialise in TV rights. So in the mm. in the US you follow US sports, Rob. I know you do. So uh, in the US, mm. if your team isn't on national television, then you can mm. follow them. On your local stream, yep. your local service, and so in Boston, yep. it's yep. the Northeast Sports Network, which is also owned by FSG. Mm. And the guys who've come on were the ones who set up the New York Yankees Sports Network. Sorry, I've muted you again, James. <laughs> um, it, they set up the mm. New York Yankees Yes Network around New York, uh, and like mm. the New York Rangers for the hockey. There's Emma, there's Madison Square Garden Limited, and they own them and do everything. And I think that's possibly what's going to start happening because yeah, if they get around this silly rule of no three o'clock kickoff can be shown on TV, <laughs> then that's what goes on. Um, and mm. just while we're talking about Amazon, um, let's say that cash flow was $66 billion in three months. Mm. 
if you look at the, like if if Apple decided they wanted to move into football, they make billions of dollars profit each quarter. Google do, Microsoft do, mm. Facebook do. These are massive companies. If they chose to, then they would do it. At the moment, because of a little bit of being tech people, they're not very sporty. They're not interested in. It. We've seen, and um, but we've just to touch on that. The Spotify um, alleged bid has been rejected by. Arsenal, which isn't really surprising um, because I didn't see that they were going to go across that. So we're going to do a slightly shorter one today, so I want to move on to another story. No segue this time. I don't know how to do it. (laughs) Forrest Green came very, very close to appointing a female manager. They shortlisted her and then somebody told them well... Yeah, nobody told her that we submitted her CV, and so she was not. She was in the running, but never actually put a hat in the ring, and so they had to discount it. I really am intrigued as to who it is. I really would like to know that there are some very capable female managers um, in the mm. women's super league. It definitely is a women's super league one, but they're also looking at who we've got there now. Um, we'll discount Willie Kirk and Jonathan Morgan and Gareth Taylor um, and Ollie Harder. We'll discount all of those. Um, and so my money, you know, looking at the people we've got, we've got Carla Ward, uh, we've got Hope Powell, we've got Emma Hayes, um, we've got um, Kelly Chambers, Carl Reed, and then we've got Rianne Skinner. My guess would have been Hope Powell. Because Emma Hayes, although she's good, she's done it with a squad... Uh, although they got absolutely annihilated in the Champions League final, um, she's done it with a squad which are made of money. Hope Powell is a bit more of an astute manager and probably fits yeah. a smaller budget such as Forest Green. Yeah, I mean, it does seem, given the possibility, possible candidates, as to be one that. Well, I didn't realise yeah. it. Sorry, I didn't realise Emma Hayes actually been manager at Chelsea for that long. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, but when you look at the experience Hope Powell has got in the last 15 years, you know, I mean, she was England's women manager for, oh, how long? She would, I mean, she had 60-odd caps for England, you know. She's played the game. She knows, you know, she knows what it's like on the field. She knows what it's like off the field. She had 15 years playing for England women, you know. Oh, and she and, had 15 years she, managing them as well, just to round it off. Yeah, it, it, yeah <laughs> exactly. So it's a case of she's got the experience, there's no question she's got the ability, and there's no question that she would be able to, you know, fit into Forest Green. How different it might have been if she if she had been the one that had actually sent the application in. <laughs> it would have made an interesting situation at Forest Green. But then again, I'm pretty sure she could do the job. You know, whether whether anybody thinks differently or not, I don't know. But she's got the experience. She's got the ability. You know, would she want to do? Would she want to make that step? That's the question, you know. Would she want to make that, you know, that big, that big step to join, you know, you know, to basically join senior men's football and take the leap out of the slightly goldfish ball of the women's game, you know? It's an interesting question. I hope one day it happens for some for uh, for one, you know, for one manager from the women's game, you know. But who it'll be? Yeah, well, let's wait and see. I don't know. Am I am I off mute now? Yeah, you're off. You're off. You've, you've been. You've been off mute. I just put you on mute when I'm talking because I can hear myself. Ah, 
Um, it's yeah, not personal, I mean... James. Honestly, it's not personal. <laughs> um, yeah, I was I was looking at the list of of managers as well, and you know there are only five female managers, and as you say, he, he does Dale Vince does say it was a women's Super League manager. Um, she mm. was definitely shortlist material, no doubt about it. Um, and yeah, um, Hope Powell would be the the obvious one to pick out there, wouldn't you? Because again, we mentioned it before, didn't we, with AFC Wimbledon a couple of weeks ago that mm. you know Emma Hayes had been had been linked in the media with that job, and you know it, it's you know with all due disrespect, it's you know it's below her station, isn't it? She's she's a mm. a good she. I would I would imagine her entry level into the men's game would be a, a good championship club um i would certainly have her at huddersfield without any qualms whatsoever i'd be delighted if she sunk down to our level and came and took our club um but yeah hope powell is is probably the one um i mean i'm not a women's football expert but out of the five current um currently active female managers in the super league i only know hope powell and emma Hayes. i don't know the names of the others they don't you know, and they're very young as well. I mean, Carla Ward, 37, Kelly Chambers, 35, Rianne Skinner, 41. Emma Hayes is only 44, even though she's she's been well, in charge for 100 just, years. Well, I've just been looking at that. It doesn't appear that Emma Hayes actually played football. According oh, right, okay. to Wikipedia, I was look, I, she's funnily, only ever been a manager. Uh, funnily enough, I was... Um, I wonder, if she, did she get injured then? I'm just, um, just trying to think mm. what she... Mm. No, I, can, I have to admit. Yeah, no, it looks. She now just an assistant coach at Arsenal, academy director for Arsenal. Yeah, no, it looks like she just trained as a manager. <laughs> just. But I will say that she did study at Liverpool Hope University, so that's probably why she's very good at football. But I, I was looking at her <laughs> at Hope Powell while you were talking about her. I was having a look at her profile, and she's mm. been at Brighton for since. Well, they're pretty much bang on four years 2017 she took over she'd been out of the mm. game for four years since leaving england yep the four year gap and that, it doesn't say why i don't know whether there was illness or personal reasons or whether it was her choice whether it was just that she didn't get a job she didn't get hired um but she she is a even if you're not a, a women's football you know even if you just have no interest in it whatsoever that the name Hope Powell still transcends the the women's game. You're still aware of her of the name of her, aren't you? Because mm. you know she is she is a big big name, and she's what she in her mid fifties now. She would she yeah. would command the respect. She would take no shit if you know if you some no. of the no. some of the players there were like, oh, what's this woman know? You know she she's got the CV to back it up. Like you say, fifteen years as an international, mm. fifteen years as the England manager, um, and yeah, for for me, my money would definitely be going on that, and it's it's it is a shame that she hadn't applied for it, uh, um, because he he, seem, he seems like he was quite keen, doesn't he? But yeah, I mean, it does yeah. Will will we ever know? I mean, it would be Forest Green that would you know, they would be front runners for the club to be the first. No, they're, they're that sort of club, aren't they? They they would be the one to be yeah. the first to, to have a female manager, and more power to the club that does does do that stuff. I mean it's mm. I I was gonna say to take that brave step it's not a brave step. A good manager is a good manager regardless of gender. It does you know, we've got female referees, female mm. assistants, female physios, female coaches. It mm. it's quite frankly, it's ludicrous that we haven't had a female manager by now. 
um, because a lot of them well, not at probably a do a far level. better not job than a... some of the men, yeah. male managers we've got. Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, there isn't um, any at a high level. No, but I, I am aware of one. I am aware of one in um, in I don't know what step it is, but um, a former women's player by the name of Mary Phillip. She is manager manager at a club in South London, Peckham Town. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, yep, yeah, and you know she was the first. Well, she was the first woman of colour to be in, uh, international England's captain. Um, she won the Women's FA Cup six times, and you know, so she again, she's got the experience, but she's taken them. She's taken this, yeah, you know, th this team. I'm just trying to find out what league Peckham Town are in. I know. Just, just while you're doing um, that, just to just to uh, give Carla Ward a little bit of credit, uh, she only actually started her job with Villa yesterday. No, today. Oh, Sorry, enough, today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah. That's yeah. That would be why she's not in the running then. No. M m maybe I mean, she wasn't. That's why she took the villa job. Oh, uh, maybe. Maybe. Mm. It could be. It could be. Yeah, Peckham Town. They're, they're far enough down the pyramid, so the characters so are not even eligible for the FA Vars yet. So that tells you how far down they are, but. She's been she's been successful with them. She's led them. She's, you know, they've won trophies with her, and you know she's basically said in the past that you know the amount of disrespect that she gets from other clubs when she arrives, you know, is unbelievable. But there's less. But there's a bit a bit of respect after the game after the team's been you know after Peckham Town have played them off the park. <laughs> so, you know, it just goes to show that in many respects it doesn't matter. All that matters is your ability, your knowledge. And have you got that? Have you got that, you know, have you got those skills to deal with people, to basically, to use the phrase man manager? Can you do that? If you can do that, you've got the ability, you've got the badges, you've got the know-how, you can talk to the players and get them to do what you want them to do. Does it really matter? Does it really matter? What gender the you know the manager is if they can do the job. That's part of the problem with um with the way the game is at the minute. It's you know it's just ridiculous. We need it needs to be opened up to basically, if you're a good enough manager, does it matter? Men's game, women's game, does it matter? My personal my personal view is, no, it doesn't. If you can do the job, who gives a damn? Uh, of, of course it doesn't matter, but unfortunately, what seems to matter to a lot of people. Um, is the person's name and which clubs they've managed, no matter how badly they did at them, um, because that's just the way it goes around and everybody goes around. But let's, we're talking about Forest Green, let's just nip across the border. Let's go into Wales. And what I want to finish with tonight is it appears that we're going to have the Salford story, but this time in Wrexham with a Hollywood budget. Mm. I don't know whether you guys mm. watched the little YouTube clip I gave you from Ryan Reynolds and Rob McKelney, um, where they've already started. They're going to have a TV show um, on FX, I think it is. I don't know where that shows in the UK, um, which is going to follow their story of running the club. 
So this is going to. I, I just, uh, as I said now, it's probably going to be a little bit more humorous because both the, these two guys are comedians compared to Gary Neville, who's just comedian with his views. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a good story. This one. Um, I haven't watched the video as yet. Um, I, I didn't get around to it. It's only two minutes I long. I meant to do it. I, I will watch it. I mean. Ryan Reynolds is, you know, he's he's a he's a funny bloke, isn't he? he doesn't take himself too seriously. Same, same for Rob McElhenney. Um, it it it's an interesting pro. There was an interview with him on, I want to say it was the Price of Football podcast, but I can't remember if it was that one or not. Um, and he was he basically was going on about how he'd um, how he decided to buy Wrexham, and he, he was he was basically watching Sunderland till I die, sat at home with his missus, um, and. He just said, "I think I'm going to buy a football club," um, and he, he's never met Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. They've never met each other. Um, they just know each other from, or they, you know, they just have each mm. other's details or whatever from. I don't know. Just they just sharing do. an agent, um, no doubt. Yeah, maybe, and it, you know, could be. Rob McElhenney texted Ryan Reynolds because you know, let's face it. Did he text him on Mint Mobile, which Ryan Reynolds owns? Yeah, maybe. Um, and it, yeah, that's it, that's how it came came to pass um obviously because of covid they haven't been over to wrexham yet but they they're looking forward to to getting over um it's it's going to be interesting to see how it goes um mm. th- i mean there are there are the very very famous people so it's, they they can't really screw the club over can they because they, they're not a faceless anonymous owner they're they, they, they're quite well known so mm. it will be interesting True. to see yeah. how mm. they do i mean they it, um, again, in the interview, uh, Mr. McElhenney, you know, he said, "I've got no idea about football, got no idea how to run a club, but I'm, I'll hire the people that do." So, mm. yeah, it's it, the kind of going to be that second result that I look out for, just to just to see how they're getting on. <laughs> so, just to ask you then, James, would FC Kaiserslautern love a Hollywood celeb to come in and? rescue you from not reaching the Champions League oh they would love a manager who could come in and do something tactically because <laughs> I am really <laughs> st- I am really struggling with the tactics at the moment but um, yeah it's been um, I, I did bring a, an episode out a day or two ago I think but it's been a, it's been a little uh, a little patchy recently just for things um, so hopefully we will get back to some form of regularity but yeah i'm still enjoying it it's it's a it's a great little serve um going far better than i than i thought you know just going into the fifth season we've had two promotions and and won the dfb pokal so probably going a little bit better than i than i expected it to when i took when i started it um so yeah if you want to if you want to check that out you can uh, find me on youtube and twitter and everywhere at gamer james fm and um yeah, we've had a little break, which was my fault again. So sorry about that. It, but, it wasn't. Um, quite, it wasn't quite your fault. It's the German random public holidays in the middle of the week's fault. Oh well, last last week was my fault. Um, well, not no, my no, because we moved it because I was so drunk on Thursday yeah, I couldn't actually yeah. speak. But <laughs> bank holiday on a Thursday. I don't know. It's not a Christian, really. Exactly. Bank holiday on a Thursday. What do you do? Everywhere shuts because it's Germany and public holidays. Everywhere shuts. Rather than being in the UK where you'd be able to go to you'll be able to at least go to the supermarket. Nope, everywhere shop. Okay, let's start day drinking. Um, Rob, you don't do day drinking in your job because you're too busy. 
<laughs> I am too busy these days. Don't sometimes barely even have time for lunch. But yes, um, starting to plan the post the pre-season schedule with Hampton with some very interesting games and one that you know there's even one game in there that I'm sure James would love. Um, and it'll rekindle a lot of memories for Hampton fans of a certain vintage, where there is going to be a Friday night pre-season friendly at Beverly against AFC Wimbledon. Oh, lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, Why would you do that? You're putting you know, put your unbeaten record at, at, at risk there. Nah, it's only it's only in competitive matches does the unbeaten record oh, yeah, does the unbeaten yeah, record count. But this friendlies <laughs> friendlies never count, so that could be interesting. But a Friday night game. Now, when was the last time, gents, that you actually heard of a game on a Friday evening? You don't get many anymore. Once upon a time, you could you could always rely on there being one or two, you know, one or two somewhere in the football league. You know, we're talking in the eighties here, but you, know, you don't hear many Friday night games anymore. So there's that, there's games, you know, Hampton have got games against the likes of um, they've got a, 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 a Queen's Park Rangers um, 11, I'm not quite sure uh, exactly what the squad's going to be, but we shall see. Not one against Brentford, but, you know, Brentford have probably got bigger fish to fry than us. So there's all that planning going on, um, the centenary, you know, it's going to be a bit of a damp scrub of a start, it should be next Actually, it should be next Next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, Hampton Richmond will celebrate the 100th anniversary of the formation. Bit of a damp squib because we can't actually do much. So, <laughs> probably be a load of online things as well. But, yeah, there's a lot of things going on. Throwing work as well. It's a wonder I have time to do a podcast these days. Well, sometimes you occasionally tweet and you occasionally vlog over there at uh, Football As I See It. You can always go across there um, and see your blog. You can always nip over there to rabbitrobo.com as well <clears throat> to uh, just see what's going on. But uh, really, you can go over and follow the show on Twitter at We Go Again Podcast. Uh, you can go across to Facebook, but it is out of date because they've suspended me for some reason. We've been able to do anything on it. Um, and we go again podcast but if you go across to we go again podcast.com you will find all of our back catalogue but what have you been doing i thank you for listening